Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. The Cover 2 Resources podcast is an ongoing series in which we interview experts in the fight against opioid addiction. It is made possible through donations and sponsorships from concerned individuals or organizations. If you want to help in the fight against opioid addiction, please consider donating or sponsoring the Cover 2 podcast. Go to cover2.org for more information. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources, and I'm joined today by Bud Lytle, who is the detective at the Chillicothe Police Department. Uh, Chillicothe is um, in the middle of an epidemic, as is the rest of the nation, but they're kind of changing the way that they approach it from a law enforcement perspective. They have police officers acting as drug counselors and medical workers and shifting from traditional law and order tactics to approach uh, approaches that are more akin to social work. So, Bud, welcome. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, so, you know, your community in this area in general was the backdrop for Dreamland, and your whole community has changed immensely over the course of the past 10 or 12 years. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. You know, when, when I look um, at my law enforcement career, I've been a police officer uh, in Chillicothe for 21 years. I, I grew up in this area, um, and and. You know, as as I look throughout my law enforcement career here, um, you know, we went from crack cocaine being the the drug of choice to meth being the drug of choice, and uh, none of that even it, it just pales in comparison to to what we've experienced with the the opioid opioid epidemic that that we're in the middle of now. Um, it has completely changed the dynamics um, of our community. Uh, many times when when you have drug issues that, that it impacts a, a certain um, class of individuals, whether it be uh, separated by socioeconomics or by um, location in the city or different things like that. And, uh, you know, in this um, era, in, in, in this opiate or opioid epidemic that, that we're in the middle of now, um, it crosses all of those boundaries. It has impacted um, nearly every single family member in our community, you know, and, and uh, when you look, and, and, and again, you know, uh, obviously I've, I've read the book Dreamland, and, and when we look at, at, at how this came about, you know, when you look at the pill mills and you look at a lot of those things and, and individuals that, that became addicted um, through the pill mills and through the the prescribing of opiates and and how that that was just kind of jerked away and all of a sudden you know there's there's uh, between the Mexican cartels and everything else bringing taking advantage of that and and bringing the drugs here and 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 start to the, the dispensing um, and and how it has impacted I mean it, there is Greg I would I will say there is not one part 
of our community or one one facet of our community that has not been impacted in some way, shape, or form uh, by this epidemic. So some members of other communities can say, well, that really hasn't impacted me. So that's just incredible that your community with a population of approximately 77,000 you, uh, everybody has had an impact. The, the, um, the opioid epidemic has just impacted every family. That's, that's just amazing. So, I don't know of one family. I, I honestly I don't know of one family that hasn't been impacted in some way, whether it be a very close family friend or a family member um, that has been an addict. I don't know of one family in our community that hasn't been some, impacted in some way, shape, or form. Wow. So your community has taken action. Tell us a little bit about that. You're way ahead of the curve from other communities. So tell us about what you've done. Absolutely. You know, we, we've, you know, uh, Chief Washburn, the chief of police, the, the sheriff, Sheriff George Lavender, um, has decided that, you know, we're not going to sit by and, and, and idly just sit by and watch this explode and, and not take some type of action. And, and we realized relatively quickly that, that traditional law enforcement method, methods were not going to be um, effective in, in attacking this epidemic. Uh, we weren't going to arrest our way out of it, in other words. So we decided, you know, we decided we sit down and, and through a collaboration through the Heroin Partnership Project and through a collaboration of, of nearly every um, entity in our community. I mean, there's there's 40 or 50 people that sit there, sitting around the table and, and law enforcement included. And, you know, we decided that, you know, we have to do something different. We have to uh, find a way to attack this. And, and, and in realizing that law enforcement is on the front lines of this battle, realizing that many times, um, we make those initial contacts to, to those that are struggling with addiction. Um, so we decided that, you know what, rather than rather than try to arrest our way out of it, rather than, than, than doing the traditional law enforcement methods, let's let's try something a little different. And, you know, one of those efforts was the uh, PORT team, the post-overdose response team, where law enforcement officers actually partner with, with counselors, go out into the community. Every overdose that happens in Ross County, um, we go visit that house. We knock on that door. We, we supply them resources, um, whether it be family support counseling or uh, detox, um, the availability of detox. We, we can, we, you know, there's been numerous times where we've sent someone, knocked on the door, um, made the call right there, and, and referred someone to detox from that very point. Um, and, and that's been a, a huge effort. And, and then on top of that, um, you know, I recently was moved to a position called a community resource officer. And, and again, a lot of that was, was because of the, the overwhelming demand of what we're doing. But we go out and, and, and people come to us. And they're actually, we have, we have, individuals that are suffering from addiction coming to the law enforcement center um, asking to speak to me so I can refer them into counseling so I can get them into into a detox center and into treatment and and you know that we found that approach to be much more effective um, than trying to go out and arrest these individuals and charge these individuals and do those things wow that's that's terrific and so your port program that's pretty much modeled after the program uh, in Coleraine the quick response teams it is. It's, it's very similar. Um, many many of those models are, are very similar in the fact that they go out um, much much like you know the quick response teams. And I know Montgomery County does some some different variations of that as well. Um, they're they're all modeled after each other, very similar. There's there's certain differences in each one, um, but but they're very similar to each other. You know, and uh, we we try to go out and and even individuals before they overdose. Um, we, if we get contacted by a family, I, I have families call me every day, daily. Um, I have a different, fa- I have a different family call me and say, "Look, can, can you go talk to, to my loved one 
um, they, they, they're suffering and, and they're in the middle of addiction, active addiction, and they need to get into detox. I'm afraid they're going to die. Um, so we, we will go out and, and I'll make contact with that individual. I'll go out. There's been numerous times I've had to go out on the street and find them, you know, wherever they're at, you know, that, and we're going to where they're at. Um, they're not, they're not always going to come to us and we realize that, but maybe if we can go to where they're at and meet them, meet them halfway, then, then we can get them into, into treatment. So aren't you met with resistance when you do that? Sometimes um, it isn't always positive, um, you know, uh, and, and the biggest resistance I think a lot of times comes um, not necessarily from the individual suffering from addiction, but those around them, you know, um, whether it be the dealer or whether it be uh, um, other individuals that, that just aren't ready to take that step, maybe, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, we are met with a little bit of resistance, but, but you know, you, you can expect that. Um, in, in my Again, in my 21 years in law enforcement, there's been a lot of situations where I've been met with resistance, and, and you know, you I think um, the one thing... Uh, in law, law enforcement teaches above anything else is, is how to deal with some of that resistance and, and learn how to talk to people and and make them understand you're there for their good. You're not there to, to harm them. You're there to benefit them. And, and you know, the, the word's out on the street now. In all honesty, I, I you know, I talk uh, to a lot of individuals. I have a lot of contacts with, with individuals that's on the street in our community. And the word's kind of out that, hey, you know, um, these this police department isn't all that bad. They they actually try to help you. They're not they're not just going to come arrest you. So, uh, you know that that helps a lot in in that word being out. And what other programs have you put in place in your community to address the epidemic? You know, again, I go back to the uh, the heroin partnership project and, and some of the issues, and, and again, being associated with that, um, uh, you know, law enforcement being right in the middle of that. Um, you know, we, we, we've done numerous things. We Prevention education has been huge. We go to uh, sporting events. Um, we take, again, law enforcement. We take police officers and, and sheriff's deputies, and we go to sporting events, and, and we stand and we hand, as law enforcement officers, stand and hand out materials um, to people. We'll start talking materials and different things of that nature to, to people, to parents, to try to get them to talk, and we'll make public address announcements. Um, we do... Um, monthly radio broadcasts that, that do nothing but pretty much talk about um, the the epidemic and what we're doing. We, I mean, there are just, we've done every, everything we can possibly think of, Greg, to be honest, um, to try to have an impact, and, and that's what we do. Well, that's, that is tremendous. So, and your entire community seems to have really gotten beyond, behind this. Uh, I was down for an event last fall, and uh, I was pretty uh, blown away by uh, the coverage and the, the, they had this event in a uh, in a church. I think that's where you and I first met. In fact, it, it was yeah. uh, we first met there, and uh, the the MAID program. Uh, My attitude determines everything, which is part of the Drug Free Clubs of America. Yeah. And when I look at we look at that program, um, when you look at the number, the, I think the average across the country. Um, the average enrollment for drug-free clubs of America is around 20 percent, or somewhere in that somewhere in that ballpark. Um, when I look at our local uh, chapter, our made chapter um, of, of the drug-free clubs of America, um, we're at over 50 percent enrollment for the entire county. Um, we have we have seven different schools in Ross County, and, and um, combined they're over 50 percent enrollment, um, and that's going to go up this year. We're sure of that. Um, we have schools that's that's over 70 percent enrollment in the made program. Um, a couple different school districts. So when we start looking at those efforts, I mean, we you're, you're looking at a county of 77,000 people that had 1,500 high school students that marched um, from Chillicothe High School to the front of the courthouse steps. Um, that's it was unbelievable. I mean, it was just amazing. And, and, and chanting, you know, we're drug free and, and those things. It just, 
and honestly, it gives you chills just thinking about it. The, you know, the impact that that's having on on those individuals and and <clears throat> how that the, the individuals that started that program and are running that program are, are just phenomenal in, in in the work that they do. It really was tremendous to witness that. Yeah, I brought my uh, my nephew along with me, and in fact, and he made a video out of it that uh, yeah. that we posted on our site, and I just uh, even. Even today, when I go back and take a look at that video, it, uh, it's awe-inspiring because the students are the leaders of the program, and you can see them step up and take a great deal of pride in the leadership that they're displaying for their whole generation. Absolutely. Um, you know, when, when, I, when I look at the MAID program, and you're exactly right, the students are the leaders. Um, the individuals that, that the model that, that that is created after um, the students are the leaders. The student ambassador. They have certain, you know, there there's certain students that are student ambassadors for their district, and they lead that. Um, and even if you look at the march, um, there was no adults in front of that. It was students leading the way. And 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 you know they've they've decided to lead the way for a change in our community. They've decided that that it's not acceptable. Um, you know, it's 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 not okay to be. Um, in the situation we're in, it's not okay for our community to 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 change the way it's changed. They they want to make a difference, and and they want to be the difference. Uh, they want to be the difference, and they made that clear. And and they don't have to tell anyone that. You just watch them, and you can see that in, see it in them. You know, and and you have kids that's that's in the middle school that's looking forward um, to getting into high school so they can be a part of the MAID program. Um, that that just speaks volumes about about what that program's doing and what how it's changing the atmosphere and the culture in our community. How else have these programs made a difference in Chillicothe? You know, I, I think the biggest thing it's done, Greg, honestly, is is it's given a community hope. Um, I, I think when we look at um, addiction, when we look at those suffering um, with the disease of addiction, uh, a lot of times they don't have a lot of hope. Um, there, there's, I mean, there's these programs. And when I look at Map Your Future, which is another program that's in the middle school, when I look at, at MADE and I look at those types of programs that's, that's driving its way down into our school-age children, um, it's giving them hope. And, and our, that, that hope has kind of caught on to our whole community. We're having an event. Actually, we're in the middle of an event this week um, called One Community, One Fight, um, where it's, it's kind of bringing together faith-based resources and secular resources under one umbrella and um, kind of a resource fair in the middle of a church service almost is what I say. You know, it's, it's, it's a really neat event, and it's been so well attended, and, and there's been individuals that's suffering from active addiction coming up in the middle of this event saying, look, I need help. I need, I need to get into treatment. Um, it, it's given our community, it's given our community a hope, um, and, and, and it drives us every day as a community to, to do, be better than we were yesterday. And I think when you come into Chillicothe, you see that we, you know, yes, we're still, we're still battling and we're still, our overdose numbers are still very high and, and we're still suffering from a lot of those things. There's still a lot of families that, that are, that are just absolutely torn apart, um, from, from active addiction. There's still a lot of children that are in foster homes or with their grandparents or aunts and uncles. We still have all of that. But but with that, we have a hope, and, and, and I think that hope is, is resonating through our community that, that hey, you know, we're, we're going to change things. This, this isn't, It isn't going to be this way forever. We're, we're making a difference, and, and I think that's kind of the message that our whole community is about. Briefly, can you tell us a little bit more about One Community, One Fight? And Absolutely. as well as Map Your Future, those are two programs that I don't think our listeners are aware of. We haven't aired anything on them before. Yeah. 
one community, one fight is is kind of my vision. To be honest with you, um, I, I kind of created this this vision. It's um, you know a lot of times I think um, when you have a community like this and, and you have so many things going on that um, I always say the the left arm don't know what the right arm's doing. A lot of times the the faith community um, don't always know the resources that's available through the secular community and and vice versa. The secular community, um, whether it be government entities or whatever, don't always know um, what resources the faith community offers. So so my idea was. Um, let's bring them all together under one umbrella. We're one community, um, and we're in one fight. We're in a fight for life, and and um, let's let's bring them all together. Um, and and what we do, we we we've done it all week. Um, this is the the fifth night. Um, what we've done is we have a a just kind of we shut down the roads in front of the courthouse. Um, all the any resource that wants to come, whether it be secular or faith based, have the opportunity to set up a table, hand out brochures, different things like that. Um, we have different resources that speak every night, talking about what they do, how they have need. We we realize the faith based community. Um, we realize they volunteer a lot, so if they have needs for volunteers, they can ask and tell people. Um, and then what we do is is kind of after those resources speak, then we kind of have a church service. We have a, a like a praise and worship band type sing and then we have a uh, one of our local pastors that 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 uh, speaks um, and and it's just an opportunity to kind of hang out together and, and be together very informal atmosphere people walking around um, and and you know we, we've been able to help a lot of people we've had individuals that signed up for uh, to be uh, foster parents you know we have job and family services there are individuals that signed up to be foster parents which we have a huge need for in our community we have individuals that's that's came that numerous individuals that's came that's that's been referred to treatment we have other individuals that's in the middle of, of recovery um, and and needs job placement. So Ohio University Chillicothe, our local university, was there and was able to provide them information and, and help them um, move toward the goal of, of gaining some type of, of education to, so they're employable, so they can get jobs. So all of this is happening in the midst of kind of a church service, so to speak. So it's a really neat event, um, very well attended so far, and, and we're hoping that continues. And then um, tomorrow, the last day of the event, it's from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. all day long. Um, and we're giving away free food. We've got some food sponsored, and we're giving away free food and drinks. And all day it's going to be kind of different individuals speaking about the resources they have and, and how they provide those to the community. And and then we're going to have some other individuals that's in recovery or that, that speaks and talks about their – puts out their message, um, and then uh, we're going to close the night with another church service. So that's kind of what One Community, One Fight is all about. How many people attended, roughly? Um, we've had – I think we're – Oh boy, we're probably at about um, six fifty, seven hundred somewhere in that ballpark. So about a hundred, a little over a hundred a night. Terrific. Um, so that, that and that's you know when you're looking through the week at six thirty to eight p.m. That's a pretty good attendance to be honest in a, in a community of our size. Um, and, and we look for we look for well over a thousand to come through uh, tomorrow Saturday all all day. We'll have well over a thousand come through. Um, and and we've just blown it up on on Facebook and all the people that's um, that's. Uh, that said they were going to be there or talk, talking about it. So, And when we have some individuals um, that, that travel throughout the country kind of speaking and doing different things coming in um, tomorrow as well to, to kind of um, relay that message, get that message out, the message of hope. Now let's pivot over to Map Your Future. Map Your Future is a um, – it, it's through our uni- local United Way, United Way of Ross County, um, and, and the director there um, – 
came up with this program. And what it does is right now it's in three of our schools and we're hoping to expand it. It's, it's one of the greatest programs I've ever seen um, as far as hope goes, uh, to be honest with you, Greg. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, in, in, the, in the middle school, um, these students create a portfolio. They have a specific class designed for this, but they create a portfolio. What they do is they, they um, do job searches, um, do uh, you know employment, different types of surveys to, to uh, figure out what they would be best at doing, those types of things. And, and all of that goes into this portfolio when they first create the portfolio. And um, they teach them how to, how to search Ohio Means Jobs and some of those sites um, in order to search for uh, employment once they're out of school. But then what, what happens is this portfolio carries with you throughout your high school career. So when you take your ACT test, it goes in this portfolio. When you write a great paper um, that maybe you want to use to when, when your college application, you put it in this folder. Um, you put all of this different information in this folder, and it creates a portfolio of who you are, um, how employable you are um, throughout your high school career. And when you're done, um, you basically, they, you know, the resume writing is part of it. I mean, there's so many different elements in this. Um, but when you're done, um, you have this, this book of hope, honestly. Um, regardless of your background, regardless of where you've come from, you have this book in front of you that tells you basically how to enroll in college. It, they teach you how to apply for scholarships. They teach you um, what monies are available for college if you want to go that route. They teach you that um, vocational education, if that's something you want to do, um, it's definitely tied right in, and, and the certificates and things you can get from that. They teach you all of that um, Well, you're still in middle school, so you can make an informed decision once you get to high school what route maybe you want to take and what might be best suited for you. And again, it's all in this portfolio in front of you, and it's just a visible hope of, of what your future can be. Is anybody else doing that? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Hmm. Not that I'm aware of. Wow. It's a pretty, pretty, pretty awesome program, I will tell you that. Yeah, it sounds that way. How long it's, have you been doing it? Uh, this is the second year of it. Um, this is the second year of that program. Okay. So, so you, you, you haven't uh, experience the big payoff of it. We have not. We yeah. have not. There, there is no. There is no. Um, it is not evidence based yet. Simply because we haven't. Um, we haven't seen, seen the payoff from it. You know. So um, eventually, I can see that being the type of program or some model of that. Um, in in, I would hope in every school across the country because it's that good. It really is. It. I mean, you you get mentors in the classroom. Here's here's a part of it. And you mentioned you get mentors. Like I'm I'm one of the mentors in the Map Your Future program. So someone that wants to get into law enforcement, they can they can sit down and talk to me one on one. I can, I'll stand up. I'll talk to them about what law enforcement is. The entire class. But they have access to one-on-one mentor mentorship in in that career field if that's something that they want, and they can talk to talk to whoever about it. You know, so there's just great great elements of that program. So let's go back to the beginning okay. when you when you started these things, and if you could put yourself in the shoes of other communities out there that may be listening to this podcast, what advice could you give them in terms of how to start programs such as these great programs that you've started? in their own community? You know, um, again, when, when I look at, at how this all came about, the, the biggest thing that I can tell any community that would want to start these types of programs, collaboration, um, come together as a community. Bring bring every, even the people you don't think need, need to be at the table, bring them to the table. Um, that is the greatest asset that we have here is the collaboration of different agencies. Like I said, we have 40 or 50 different agencies that sit at the table. Um, because not only, not only do does ideas come from that, but resources are there as well, whether it be man-hour resources, volunteer resources, uh, 
you know, financial resources, those resources always sit at the table too. So collaboration is the biggest thing. And I think that's the one thing that's, that separated us, I think, from, from a lot of other communities is the fact that, that the Heroin Partnership Project created us the opportunity to sit down together and share ideas and, and really move forward. Um, next, think big. Um, don't, don't box yourself in thinking, well, this may not work. Um, one of the greatest quotes of all time was by Theodore Roosevelt that, that he said, um, the best thing to do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. The worst thing to do is nothing. And and I think we've taken that approach as a community. You know, if, if we do the wrong wrong thing, then we'll just modify it and make it the right thing. Um, but at least we're moving in a direction. And I think... Um, we have to we have to do that i think you have to think big and and realize that not every decision you make is going to be the right decision but at least that decision is get you moving and moving forward um, where you can modify it to what you really need as a community and those two things are probably the two biggest things that we've done um, differently than a lot of other communities and you started at this how long ago as a community uh, this is the third year. Uh, we're about a little over two years into the Heroin Partnership Project, um, and, and that's when it really started advancing. So we're, we're into our third year of it. And how long did it take you to really begin to get traction, would you say? You know, Greg, it, it probably took us at least a year to really gain a lot of traction, to be honest, um, to get a lot of community buy-in. People were always uh, skeptical about new things and, and, and new approaches. Um, but, but it probably took us eight months to a year to really get some traction and really get moving. So the Washington Post has spent a considerable amount of time in your community. And they have shared that, in their view, it looks like Mayberry, but it's not Mayberry any longer. With these programs that you have in place, how soon do you project a return to Mayberry? You know, I think um, it's really difficult to project. Um, I, I see us moving that direction. I see us uh, moving to a community that, like we were previously. Um, again, this is a great place to live. I, I, I never, um, I, I always like to say that I, I love where I live. I love where I grew up. Um, I love Chillicothe and Ross County. It's just a great community. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, it's difficult to project uh, how long it will take. But I can tell you um, the, the biggest thing is uh, we're motivated to return to that and and we're motivated to continue to work diligently to do that simply by seeing positive things happen. And there's a lot of positive things happening in our community. And I think, you know, um, I could I could see it before the end of my career. I, I, I can see that before my career ends. Well, Bud, I want to thank you for your time today and sharing your insights into what you've done, what what the opioid epidemic really has, uh, how it's devastated your community, and how your community has gotten behind uh, just working together and collaborating to develop some very innovative programs that are making a difference. What final thoughts would you have for our listening audience? Um, Greg, number one, I would like to say th- I would like to thank you for what you do and, and how you do it. I think you guys do a great job of, of getting this message, getting these messages across and helping communities. Um, my final thought to listeners is, as far as we go as a community is um, anything that you want that we do, um, get a hold of me, and we will certainly give it to you because we're not, uh, we, we don't want anyone to have to reinvent the wheel with us. If you think something we're doing is working, um, please get a hold of us and let us know because we'll share it with your community in a heartbeat. We're not, this isn't, this isn't just about us. It's about um, changing a culture nationally. We realize that this epidemic isn't, isn't just Ross County or just Ohio. It's a national epidemic, and, and anyone across the country that, that 
wants to look at anything we do, get a hold of us, and we will certainly sit down and talk with you and, and try to help you any way we can implement it in your community. Outstanding. Well, thanks again, Bud. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate it. We've been visiting today with Bud Lytle, who is a detective with the Chillicothe Police Department. And together with other key members of his community, they're making a difference in the opioid epidemic. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. With your support, the Cover 2 team can continue to research and broadcast these resources to others in need. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.